This is Brett. This is Brendan. And we're just talking about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge on the Skywalk. What's up, Move Milkers? Welcome to episode 88. Brendan, what were you doing in 1988? I was one year old. Oh, wow. So not much. (laughs) (laughs) Not a whole lot, no. So welcome to a very atypical episode of the Skywalk. Um, We're usually meticulously structured about our show, but today we're just talking about two things. We're talking mainly about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, because Brendan has been there and has written about it. Uh, But we also want to get Brendan's thoughts on Jedi Fallen Order. Um, Brendan, ironically, these were the two panels that we skipped the last time we were together at Star Wars Celebration Chicago. That's a really good point, yeah. (laughs) Well, they're relevant. They're relevant all of a sudden, yeah. Yeah, they are, and I'm more excited about either one than I ever thought I would be. Um, So we'll get into that, and if you're wondering who Brendan is, we'll tell you in a minute. But first, social meteors. This is where the good Kashikian moof milkers can find us uh, on social media. iTunes, for as long as it exists. Search for The Skywalk. Sky is in sky. Walk is in the thing you cook in, spelled W-O-K. Subscribe there and leave a review. Um, Spotify, same deal. The Skywalk. Disgracebook, facebook.com slash The Skywalk. Twitter at the Skywalk, Instagram the Skywalk, and Potomatic is Star Wars Over Coffee.potomatic.com. And also, Brendan, guess what? We're on Stitcher now. We're on, I think it's called Radio FM or something. Uh, so chances are, day by day, um, you can find us on more podcast platforms that you might be using. Hitting them all up. Hitting them all up. Getting it out there like Tarkin. The more we tighten our grip, uh, no, that doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> the other way around, the opposite. We're loosening our grip. That's what it is. Yes, more and more podcatchers are slipping into your fingers. Exactly. That's what's happening. So please welcome our special guest, a man who lives just beyond the edge of the galaxy and who wrote up a fantastic report on the rising tensions between the Resistance and the First Order in Batu. Is that how you say it, Brendan? Yeah, but too. Okay. For the yet-to-be-confirmed-as-canonical magazine-slash-website known as Wired, it's Brendan Nystead. Welcome back, Brendan. Thanks, Brett. It's great to be here. We mainly have Brendan on to talk about Galaxy's Edge. Um, Brendan, the article that you wrote, I think we praised it enough on the last episode, and you probably don't want to hear more of that. But again, if anybody hasn't heard it yet, I really suggest reading it. It was really, really good. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And it's funny because I feel like you took a lot of the questions away, but somehow people were able to find more. So we'll get to those in a little bit. Brendan, as I said, this episode will be very unstructured. It's late at night because Brendan lives uh, three time zones away. And, mm-hmm. uh, and we just want to relax and have a fun conversation about all this uh, cool stuff that's going on in Star Wars. Um, which uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is Jedi Fallen Order, because I wasn't really expecting to be interested in this. As I mentioned, we skipped out on this panel during Star Wars Celebration, and then they showed it off about a week ago, uh, the first time that they showed gameplay of it. And I was really pleasantly surprised. What did you think, Brendan? Have you checked out the gameplay footage? Yeah, I got to watch a, a large chunk of it. Um, and you know what? This looks like a lot of fun. It looks I was on board from the get-go when they said that it was a single-player Star Wars game. Yeah. Because I think that, you know, as much as I appreciated what they did in Battlefront 2, it felt like they took a bunch of the multiplayer maps and just kind of figured out how to tell a story with them, which is neat. Yeah. Um, 
but this, uh, yeah, this has everything that I'm looking for. And, you know, we also got a surprise cameo from Saw Gerrera. And like, so they're really going to dig into that uh, space in between episodes three and episodes four that they've uh, they've found to be such fertile territory for things like Rogue One and Solo, a Star Wars story, except you get to play the adventure yourself, which is amazing. My only concern is that it looks a little gamey. And by that, I mean... You know, there there's, there do seem to be kind of all the things that you get in a typical, like any video game has. Um, I have a feeling there will be fetch quests and there will be things that you do just to make the game feel longer, which is mm-hmm. oh, yeah. not what I'm looking for from a Star Wars game. I'd rather a game that's the length of a Star Wars movie, you know, where just every part of it is is told really well from a story standpoint. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for... Uh... You know, the fact that you can really it looks like you can really explore. Yeah. Um, and I think that somebody somebody said that it, it reminded them a little bit of like an Assassin's Creed game where you get to kind of wander around a little bit. It's a little bit more open. Yep. And then, you know, you can you're you know, the the quests are what string you along through the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that seems like it's it's uh, going to make it for make for a really fun adventure. Yeah. Brendan, speaking of Star Wars video games, let's get to some of our feedback that we've gotten. So we asked people to submit questions for our special guest today, and they did. Uh, And this one, Brendan, is not related to Galaxy's Edge. It's actually related to what we were just talking about. This is from our pal Tyler Bucks at Chatter Squadron, which is a really good Star Wars podcast. You should check them out. Um, And he also runs Star Wars News on Facebook, which is gigantic. Uh, Tyler asked, Brendan... What would be your ideal Star Wars video game? I've got one in particular that I, you know, I've been wanting for many years. It'll probably never happen. Ooh. Um, and it is a remake, a full HD, like amazing remake of the X-Wing and TIE Fighter Flight Simulator games. Oh, okay. Those were like my gateway drug to a lot of video gaming when I was younger. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't allowed to have a console, and so you know I could only have PC games. And I went over to a friend's house, and he had a joystick, and his dad had this amazing computer with a CD-ROM drive, and, and you know all the bells and whistles for the early mid '90s that you could ever dream to have. And so I got to play this game where you got to be somebody who flies an X-wing and shoot stuff and it was just the coolest thing ever you you know you hit different buttons on the keyboard to open your s foils or to move (laughs) your shields around uh and the fact that those games only stayed in the 90s like i think the last one was in the late 90s yeah the fact that there hasn't been a modern update infuriates me because the technology is so much better now and you could do amazing graphics unbelievable graphics yep um I think that they, you know, they could probably even at this point bring over some of the ship models from like Rogue One and use some of those models. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that you could have like really photorealistic, like amazing looking X-Wings that look like the real models they used. Right. Um, and, you know, I've already got a joystick ready to go. So anytime, <laughs> right, anytime, right. Disney. There we go. Free ideas from Brendan. Um, Okay, our next question came from our NBA world champion friend Rui on Twitter. Rui's from Canada, Brendan, and uh, he went to the Raptors parade the other day, and he's very happy right now. Um, So his is not so much a question as an assertion, uh, which is this. He says, what stays in Galaxy's Edge stays in Galaxy's Edge. Brendan, can you confirm? I mean, I wrote about my entire experience for a website that a lot of people go to, so I'm not sure I'm the right person to, to ask. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I think the type of things Rui would do there 
maybe it is true. I will say, I will say, there's a lot of espionage going on. That's so true. There is some sneaky stuff in canon espionage. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure why Rui's uh, assertion was accompanied by a picture of size noodles. If it's what I think it is, it's it's a, it's a weird crush. Um, <laughs> the next, hey, you know, <laughs> it takes all kinds. To each his own. Um, Indeed. The next one's from our friend Jack at the Alliance of Star Wars Fanatics. Awesome Facebook group also, Brendan. Um, and he asked, what is the most worthwhile element of Galaxy's Edge? This I feel like we're going to be talking about this a lot throughout the, the questions later on. But yeah. uh, it, it's the human element for sure. Being able to talk to the cast members they have in the land mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just kind of riff Star Wars stuff with them is absolutely amazing. And... You know, it's not going to be for everybody. People that want to be a little bit more coy and yeah. not play along can mm-hmm. totally do that. But the fact that they made room for that kind of role play is astounding. And the fact that they got, you know, they trained people really, really well to do this. Everybody that I talked to was fully in character uh, and ready to just just totally riff and uh, <laughs> and just just roll with the punches. Whatever whatever you want to talk about, they will talk to you about it in Star Wars. So can you could you give us an idea of uh, maybe a typical interaction or something an interaction that you had when you were there? Yeah, yeah. I uh, you know I was outside of the pet shop. I just done some shopping for a friend, um, and there were a couple of locals that were hanging out nearby, and we got to talking. And I you know I I let it slip that my friend Chewbacca cooks a mean porg, and you should have seen the look on these people's faces. <laughs> they couldn't believe that anyone would want to eat porg. Oh, okay. Uh, just just because they're such cute animals. Like, why would you want to do that to them? And I was like, well, yeah, they're cute, but have you tried one? They're really delicious. <laughs> and the, the, the conversation didn't last much longer than that, unfortunately. Yeah, which is good. That's authentic outrage. Absolutely. Brendan, uh, when, when do you think you'll be going to Galaxy's Edge again? This isn't so much for our listeners. I just want to know when I should PayPal you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I really wasn't planning on going for a few years. The fact that this opportunity came up was really serendipitous. Yeah. Um, Oh, okay. This was... This was a this was a gift. This was this was not something that you know I was expecting to happen or you know any of that stuff. Uh, but the timing worked out perfectly, and Wired wanted me to write it up for them, so I went. Um, so you know, my initial my initial thought was like, oh, I'll give it a couple years to calm down, right? And then uh, then I'll go. I think that right now, you know, I really really want to go back, um, but it's gonna it's gonna depend on. Uh, when I can make it back to Anaheim or, you know, if I have an opportunity to go check out the Florida park. Um, but I'm hoping sooner rather than later. That's that's how in love with the experience I was. And I think that it's 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 only going to be more interesting when you inject more normal people into it. Yeah. Well, since your plan to not go was foiled, I'll let you know how that works out for me. <laughs> um, Brendan, uh, when I told Jeff that you would be coming on the podcast. Unfortunately, he's not available to be chatting with us right now. Um, but man, Hi, did he, man, did he have questions? What's up, Jeff? We miss Jeff, especially when you're listening. I, yeah, he definitely is. Um, Jeff listens pretty quickly. It's the one thing he responds to the internet for. Um, <laughs> so Jeff provided me with 20 questions for Brendan about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Uh, some of them are more serious than others. So... What do you say we go through all of these real quick, Brendan, and then uh, sure. we can just get into some other stuff about Galaxy's Edge we want to talk about. Uh, the first question from Jeff, question number one. I'm going to rattle these off. Uh, number one, did you get to touch anything? A lot of things. Number two, did you have to sign an NDA? Yes. Really? 
Yeah, they had an embargo that lifted the day that I was in the park, um, oh, like snap. around 6 p.m. in that day. So if you know if if it was around 9 p.m. your time and you remember seeing a bunch of stuff all of a sudden going live and people talking about it, then that's why. Oh, okay. So so there was the like complete social media embargo, but it lifted while you were all still there previewing. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then your article came out later. Of course. Yeah, we timed my, my article. We timed it for the day that people were actually going to be led into the park. Right. Okay. Uh, question number three. Uh, was anything in 3D? I mean, technically, the whole thing's in 3D. <laughs> uh, it, exists, it exists in three dimensions. So, yes. That's good to know because I envisioned something totally different. Uh, oh, no. Oh, you may have already answered this. Well, no, not quite. Uh, question four. Did people talk to you in Wookiee? Is that no. what they call the language? Isn't it Shrewook? Shrywook? Yes, I think so. Yeah, that's right. Jeff, come on, man. Uh, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> number five, any photo ops? I know there are some photo ops. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of amazing photo ops. I know there's one inside the Falcon. Um, I'm, sure, yep. yeah, I'm sure there's a, a billion of them. Uh, what was the best one you found? I think, the, yeah, I think the, the ones that everybody is going to want to take advantage of is when they're waiting for their turn in the cockpit of the Falcon. You get to hang out in the interior for a little bit. It's really cool. Uh, number six, did you have sensory overload? Yes, in some places. Yeah. Uh, so I, so what I'm wondering what Jeff meant here is maybe the whole overwhelming experience of actually being in Star Wars finally, because that's really what this is all about, right? Yeah, yeah. It, you know, the from that from that vantage point, it was something that was more of a slow burn where I was walking around with my jaw open, yeah, uh, kind of just taking it all in, absorbing what I was seeing. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think that I was overloaded, but it certainly took me a long time to get to come to grips with everything that was around me. Would you would you say? And I may be jumping the gun on one of Jeff's later questions here. I don't think so. Would you say was was? Did you feel like it was an emotional experience being there? Not as emotional as I had anticipated, but I do have very fond memories of the time that I got to spend on Batu. Okay, uh, number seven. Did you have a plus one? No, I didn't, unfortunately. <laughs> Allie and my mom were both a little mad about that. That's what he included in there. Yeah, he asked if Allie was your plus one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't blame you, Allie. Uh, number eight, how many jaw-dropping moments did you have? I'm not sure if this is even quantifiable. Yeah, because, you know, like I said, I, I was kind of walking around slack-jawed the entire time. It was a lot of jaw-dropping moments, just, you know, looking at the architecture, you know, at the at the party that we got to attend uh, in the evening. Uh, it was being surrounded by a bunch of famous people, which was pretty cool. Uh, oh, but yeah. yeah, there's there's just there's there's a lot. <laughs> Brendan, can you tell us about any did you any any famous people interactions that you may have had? Uh, yeah, my 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 highlight was that I got to meet Doug Chang. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't even know who else was there, but that would be my highlight too, no matter what. Uh, yeah, no, uh, there, there were a bunch of people there. Mostly, most of the people that I recognized were from uh, Lucasfilm Animation. A lot of the voice actors were there. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, question number nine, any idea on pricing? How much is it and is it worth it? So one thing that they didn't end up doing is they didn't end up making this an extra ticket. It is included in the park price um so right. for california that is for disneyland that's a disneyland ticket gets you into galaxy's edge and for florida that will be disney's hollywood studios uh the only problem is that at least in california they they decided to raise the ticket prices substantially yeah, yeah. so you're paying for it somehow and i just read today or yesterday that they will be raising the price of an annual pass at walt disney world 
um, in advance of the opening of Galaxy's Edge there. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me one bit. Number 10. Oh, we asked you this already. When are you going next? You said as soon as you can. Uh, yes. Number 11. Do they give you a video slash movie at the end of your experience? Uh, I.e. Star Wars starring Brendan. Uh, no, unfortunately, they do not. Okay. I guess I'm, I'm thinking he's he's probably thinking about some of... Uh, well, you get you do something like that at Spaceship Earth, I guess. So maybe he's thinking along those lines. Number 12. Does each person get their own custom opening crawl? No, they don't, unfortunately. That's uh, as cool as that would be. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it would also be kind of cool if maybe they had some curtains that close just so everybody, you know, has a really dramatic reveal as the curtains close open up and you see the Millennium Falcon on the other side or something like that. Oh, yes. But so, I was actually going to ask you about that. So how is it just, well, maybe, yeah, let's do this now. How is it going into the park? Because I know, you know, Walt Disney always had this idea, like you just described, of curtains mm-hmm. opening. And that's why, uh, as you know, but for our listeners, like when you walk into um, the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World, you kind of go through that little tunnel. And that was deliberate. Yeah, you've got so little that, arches you walk underneath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that when you come out the other side, it's like this world is opening up to you that you couldn't see from the other side. Um, so do they do they do anything like that for when you're entering Galaxy's Edge? Unfortunately, that's something that I cannot comment on because I only went into Galaxy's Edge from the uh, backstage area. Oh, okay. I did not go into the land the way that normal people will go into the land. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I thought it was. I thought there was some secret you were keeping from us. No, 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 no secret. Number 12. No, no, that was number 12. Number 13. How? Oh, this this is a big question, Brendan. This could almost be an entire new episode. Uh, How was the food? Jeff, you know, Jeff really tried to Trojan horse like 18 more questions into his 20. (laughs) How was the food? Any recommendations? And can you bring food in? Very practical questions from Jeff today. Yeah. Yeah, the, you know, I think that, that he's he's angling for his next vacation, maybe. Right. The food, uh, bringing in outside food, it's uh, it's generally okay. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like it is anywhere else in the park, you know, maybe be a little discreet about it. But the food was good. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to eat everything, but I think that a couple of highlights were the, um, the kettle corn that they sell there yep. is really good. It, somebody described it as being like a mix of kettle corn and like kind of fruity pebbles. Um, oh. but it also has a, just a tiny bit of maybe some cayenne pepper in it. So it has a tiny, tiny bit of heat. If you get the right piece, it's really oh, tasty. Wow. That, um, that checks all the boxes for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's delicious. Wait, but what um, do they call and, it? Cause I know they don't call it kettle corn. No, it, they said that it was something having to do with mushrooms. Um, <laughs> I'm blanking on it right now. I'm sure, I'm sure you can look it up. The person who um, uh, developed it was having mushrooms. Not, yeah, exactly. Yeah, not that's, why, that's why it's so colorful. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all very aesthetically appealing from what I've seen. Yeah, most of it looks pretty good. I did get to drink a couple of the non-alcoholic drinks in the cantina. One of them has like weird little popping eggs at the bottom that, that seemed appropriately Star Wars-y to me. Oh, yeah. Um, they have a thing called a Ronto wrap, which is just kind of a small pita, like <laughs> kind of like a taco size, like a street taco size pita yep. that has some Ronto meat on the inside. It's like a sausage and a little bit of other meat in it. Um, along with a tangy slaw, that was pretty tasty. I was I was hoping to try more of the vegetarian options because I'm generally veg- vegetarian, but yep. uh, you know there just wasn't enough time to see and taste and t- do everything. Yeah. Um, so you make I exception. Would, you make ex- you make an exception for porg. Yes, I would definitely eat a porg. You oh, kidding yeah. me? 
That one Chewie's holding in The Last Jedi looks amazing. This is where you get yourself into trouble, Brendan, because I remember you talking about people eating Kawaki and lizard monkeys. And you took <laughs> yeah, that's not okay. They're sentient. They're sentient. That, there is a line in the sand, Brad. Okay. All right. So they're just above above porks. Yes. Okay. Um, my last my last food tip would be uh, the blue and green milk are both delicious, but yes. I prefer the green milk. I would say go for the green milk. Oh, okay. That's good to hear because... Um, a lot of what I've seen online was people pushing the blue milk and I'm, you know, having not tasted it, I prefer the green. Yeah, the, the thing that uh, is interesting about the green milk is that uh, a lot of the locals kind of poo-pooed it a little bit because I guess the blue milk is locally sourced <laughs> and the green milk they, ha- they have to bring in from off world. That's amazing. Uh, so they're really proud of their banthas and their, their blue milk on, on Batu. So fantastic. 14, how accessible is the place? Ramps, wheelchair, translators? It's, you know, it's, I think that it's all pretty much up to code. Um, there are a couple of places where you can take wheelchairs, obviously, and, you know, they, the wheelchair has to kind of take the longer way around, whereas there are stairs that are a little bit more direct if you're, if you're physically capable of walking. Yep. And the Millennium Falcon famously has a ramp, so I think we're good there. <laughs> good point. Uh, 15, I almost want to leave this one out, Brendan. I'm sorry in advance. Did you have any swag? Do you have any swag you can send our way? Police. That's word for word what Jeff wrote. No, I don't. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we already talked about that, Jeff. We're going to PayPal him for the next time. Uh, number 16, did anything seem out of place, less Star Warsy, and more commercial money grabby? That's a really good question. I think that, you know, I was trying to keep my eyes peeled for where the seams are. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are there are a couple of things that maybe seem a little bit, uh, just a tiny bit out of place, but mm-hmm. it's not anything super jarring. Like, I think one thing that's kind of clever, how they walked the line, is that the, the garbage cans have the distinctive Disney Park garbage can look. It has kind of the, the arched top. It looks a little bit like a mailbox. Yeah, yeah. Uh, except they've, they've been dressed up so that they look more Star Wars-y. Like the opening's a different shape. And they have, you know, some uh, some stripings and some patterns on them that make them look like they're from Star Wars. So you know you know what it is when you walk up to it. It's recognizable, but it, you know, it, it also blends into the environment pretty well. Man, that's so fantastic, though. Like, I... I'm not kidding when I say like I it excites me so much that they were willing to change the shape of the opening of the trash can just to make it feel in universe like the level of insane commitment involved to do that. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that really impressed me too. walking into the bathroom or as they say on Batu the refresher. Yep. Uh, and seeing that everything in there is, you know, it's some of it looks like it's standard plumbing stuff. But, you know, you know, some of it has been a little bit painted over or weathered in a certain way. Right. They have they have Dyson hand dryers, but they're completely painted like a matte black so that you can you can kind of tell what they are, but they don't say Dyson on them. Yeah, all that stuff is all that stuff is totally there. I'm guessing, and maybe and maybe you haven't looked at this, but I'm guessing those awesome thermal detonator Coke bottles, I'm guessing the word Coke must appear somewhere on that thing, even if tiny. Yeah, they do have English on the back uh, and all of the all the nutrition facts. Yeah, all that stuff. All that stuff's in English. I have to say, if that's, you know, if if Jeff wants to know about a more commercial money grabby place, that that one falls straight into like the kind of uncanny valley for me. Yeah. Um, because it's like, yeah, you know, it's nice that they, you know, they, they, they went the extra mile and put the attention to detail in there. But, uh, at the end of the day, what you have is a $5 and 50 cent little like <laughs> bubble of Coca-Cola. Yeah. Um, 
Is that really and what it costs? Yes, it does cost that much. Wow. Um, so it's it's cool, but I don't know that it was fully necessary, and it's just like a little too like evil corporate synergy for me. <laughs> right, right, right. It's kind of like, I mean, yeah, and so here I am. I never thought I'd be trying to rationalize things for, for Coca-Cola Company, but um, it's kind of like, you know, going to Fenway Park and, oh, this um, – this two scoops of vanilla ice cream is going to cost you $12, but it's in a souvenir baseball cap, mm-hmm. you know? Yes, yeah, so I think the answer to Jeff's question is, no, nothing seems out of place, but yes, it is commercial money grabby. Oh, yeah. You know, and the prices on everything, it's it's Disney Parks prices. Some of the yeah. merchandise is relatively affordable and other stuff is wildly expensive. Right. Um, <clears throat> you can buy a full-size astromech droid for, I think, $20,000 if you want to. Yeah. Um, I think that's the, the most expensive item you can buy in any of the Disney parks now, but I, you know, there's, there's also, there's also plenty of stuff that is affordable by mere mortals. If you just want a little tchotchke to bring home. Right. Yeah. And by the way, with those astromech droids, I read that they've already sold several and I think the price that's insane. If I'm not mistaken, it might be 25 grand. Um, yeah, that's that's what I thought I read. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that. Um, 17. Did you see anyone use the force? No, you know what? I don't. I don't think that I did. But then again, I didn't run into Ray or Kylo Ren when I was there. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I just was seeing kind of more ground level characters and Vimarati, who's the Resistance spy. Yep. Thank you for pronouncing the name right. As as I knew you. Who's would. been Who's been mispronouncing? There's, Vi's a, name? there's a lot of V Marathi stuff going around there. And, oh, okay. Uh, which, frankly, <laughs> that's what I would have thought too. But I saw something very early on explaining how her name is pronounced phonetically. Um, number eighteen. Do they make you sign a waiver for the heart attack you may have from seeing all the awesomeness in person? Uh, no, but uh, <laughs> I think I think that they they have enough medical staff on hand nearby that if something happens to you, you're, you'll 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 totally be fine. So okay. don't worry about it. I imagine people pass out daily at Galaxy's Edge. Uh, Nineteen. Did the experience make you want to watch the movies again or any other canon cartoon books, etc. Again? So I don't I don't know that it made me want to revisit things that I already knew. Um, for me, the thing that's compelling about Batu is that it's a place that nobody has really been before, and it's a new backdrop for your personal Star Wars stories. So you're not living anybody else's story while you're there. Um, so instead, what that's what what that's made me interested in is seeing more media that's based on Batu and a Black Spire Outpost. So I've been reading a couple of the novels that are coming out soon uh, that take place uh, on Batu and give you you know, a little bit of the extra backstory of, of the, the city and the settlements on the on the perimeter. Now that's exciting. So it, it made you want to let the past die. You could say that. One thing I think about a lot is that I love The Last Jedi. And one regret I have about it, and, and, and you know, this is nitpicking, but the Battle of Crate toward the end of the movie, when Rey is flying in in the Falcon with Chewie, and they go back to the music from A New Hope. Mm-hmm. And I always feel like that was a mistake because the the very reason that you just said, because what it does to me anyways, is instead of this being a new adventure to embrace for what it is, it just brings me back to a new hope. Yeah. And I think that that's one thing that they've, uh, again, they've, they've walked that line pretty well here where you will have moments where you will see things that you recognize and you'll have moments where you're reminded of things that you you've experienced before in other media um, but nothing is, you know, it's not too much of like a cloyingly sweet, uh, like nostalgia play necessarily. Right. To get to your point about music, the music that you hear when you're on the ride is a combination of like 
a little bit of Star Wars, normal Star Wars music, plus a little bit of the music from Solo, plus a new theme for Batu that John Williams wrote exclusively for the theme parks. So mixed into this this stuff that feels a little bit more familiar is stuff that you've never heard or seen before, which is awesome. Question number 20. What was your new name in Star Wars land? Are you dark side or light side or blaster ready? Again, that was four questions just in number 20 alone, Jeff. Thank you. <laughs> what a cheater. Ah, Jeff. So I don't think I don't I didn't really go into this with a Star Wars character in mind. But when I go back, I definitely will be, you know, somewhat role playing. I want to I want to take advantage of that again. Um, so I don't know. I think that the idea that I've had so far is to be somebody who was a local from Batu who went off world for a while and has heard about the first order coming to town and who wants to come back to join the resistance. Ah, that's, that's, yeah. that's my, that's my story that I've come up with so far, but who knows it might change between now and whenever I get to go ne- next. Um, you know, this makes me think there are people, people I know even who work part-time jobs just for the benefits. I feel like if ever there was a job to have part-time for the benefits and, uh, you know, in fact, even if there wasn't health insurance, this might be the one to take. <laughs> Just to be yeah, able to experience yeah. that, to have your own backstory, which is mm-hmm. technically canon, which I want to get into with you <laughs> in, a, in a minute here. But man, what a great place to be. Um, so I have some questions too, you know. And, uh, and I also want to know if there's anything else that you want us to know. Um, one question I have is this, and you may um, tell me if you know the answer or not. Will they at some point get rid of the idea of a reservation window. So for people who might not know, currently uh, you're only allowed to stay in Galaxy's Edge for four hours at a time. Yeah, the last day of that, as far as I know, is June 23rd. Oh, wow. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I kind of figured that at some point they'd be getting rid of that. So that's good. Yeah, because and, and, and mainly because uh, from what I understand right now, the wait time to to do the Millennium Falcon ride is like half your reservation window. So I, I, that might have been different for you since you kind of got a preview event. Yeah, I, I got to go on the Millennium Falcon five times. So uh, What? <laughs> now you're just rubbing it in, Brendan. I'm sorry. <laughs> so the funny thing is, uh, and I think what's, what's so impressive and successful about what they've done is that personally, I could, and, you know, part of it's hearing about how long the wait times are. And I think if there's one thing people have said that they're a little bit underwhelmed with, it is that ride, which is the mm-hmm. only ride in Galaxy's Edge currently. There's also going to be the other one called something of the Resistance. It's called Rise of the Resistance. Rise of the Resistance, right, which should be opening, they said, sometime this year, but they haven't really specified when. Um, but the crazy thing is I could care less at this point about actually doing the Smuggler's Run ride. I it it looks so and I think that's really a testament to the park though too is that it's just such a beautiful place it's it's themed so incredibly well and then having Doug Chang be the one who really designed this whole thing I would be so happy to spend 4 hours there and never ride anything and I think that this feels like the closest thing and uh, I know you're younger than me Brendan and I don't know what your memory is of Hollywood Studios in the 90s but this feels to me like the closest thing to what Hollywood Studios used to be at that time. Because at that time, Hollywood Studios was an actual functioning movie studio, mm-hmm. which it hasn't been now for a long time. I remember the first time I went there, uh, let's see, I want to say it must have been like the summer of 89. And 
the movie Dick Tracy had not come out yet, which was mm-hmm. kind of like the poor man's Tim Burton Batman that came out like a year later. Uh, really has a very similar vibe to that movie. It's a, it's a lot more campy and uh, tongue in cheek. But they were actually filming that movie in Hollywood Studios at the time that I was there. Oh, wow. And that was such an amazing experience as a kid, especially if you're a kid who grew up on Star Wars and then got super into movies and movie making and all the behind the scenes stuff. And you're already watching, you know, the behind the scenes making of Return of the Jedi as a kid. And now you go to Disney and you find out they're filming new movies there that you haven't even seen yet. Um, I think that was the first we we had ever heard of the movie Dick Tracy. And then, you know, we got just super excited about it from there. So uh, I think that was really uh, a unique time in history that that was actually done. They pretty much uh, stopped doing it because it was so difficult logistically to get actor. Well, I, I don't know how much it was the actors or just the all of the machinery and the sets and everything that you had to get in and out of a, a living, breathing theme park that, mm-hmm. you know, thousands of people were attending every day as fans. Um, but, you know, there's really never been anything like it. And I feel like this is the closest thing they have to having a living, breathing movie studio again. Um, even though it's not resulting in a movie, it's part of the canon. And I think that's what's so fascinating about this whole thing. So they've said that this, um, you know, everything in the park is canon. Uh, v. Murati, who you mentioned earlier, is a canonical character. What's going on now is taking place between The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker, correct? Exactly, yeah. So, um, you know, I think I read uh, probably in your article, you know, that there are Porg nests in the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. Chewie's story is ongoing. Like he stopped there in Batu to gas up the Falcon or something or maybe pick up supplies. Is that right? Yeah. And, you know, there's a there's a whole story that you get when you go into the Millennium Falcon ride of how he's decided to let Hondo use the Falcon um, because it's been it's mutually beneficial to the resistance and to uh, to Hondo's business interests. Man, so Hondo is still alive and kicking. How old would he have to be at this point? I don't know, because I'm, I'm not sure how old his species is, you know, lives. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure how old he is when he's in the Clone Wars, you know? Yeah. Brendan, do you think, do you think that we could even get a glimpse of him in The Rise of Skywalker? Uh, you know what? I think that the movie's already going to be packed full of so much <laughs> stuff that they, you know, they, they couldn't find any room for the guy, probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah. heck. Now he has now he has an amazing audio animatronic character in Disneyland. Like, oh yeah! How much better does it get than that? That thing is incredible. Yeah, it's it's very it's very impressive. Yeah, so I think you know all of the stuff that they've done, the theming, and then making it all part of canon. I mean, I just can't imagine ten year old me going to that park right now. You know, it's kind of the thing that I think we always dreamed of, and even more impressive. Um, and here I am, Brendan, telling you what I think of the place that you've been to that I haven't. <laughs> Um, well, you've you've done your homework. You've, you're clearly like you've you've read everything that everybody has to read about. It. I'm sure you've been on YouTube watching some of the videos. Uh, you know, but, so, but this is the funny thing. And so, okay, this is why I can so honestly and sincerely praise your article, Brendan, is because when all this stuff started coming out, like I said before, I my thought was, okay, I'm not going to this place for a while. It's going to be packed. I don't have plans to be at Disney anytime soon, anyways. Um, and so then when people started posting stuff, I was kind of like. I wasn't avoiding it the way we avoid, you know, spoilers about a new film. Mm-hmm. But I just kind of thought, you know what? I'll I don't want to see it now. It might make me want to go, but also I'd rather just kind of see it when I get there, whenever that might be. 
Um, but then when I saw that you, you wrote an article, like it literally was when I was like, all right, well, Brendan wrote this. I really want to know what he has to say about it. I really want to know what he thinks about it. And so, yeah, that's kind of the only homework you need, people. Go read Brendan's article on Wired. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a long commercial, Brendan. That was a, if we had sponsors, that would be our 30 minute spot for Wired. Um, but the immersiveness of it, the fact that you uh, can't really see, and again, this is what I've read, maybe from you, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The fact that you can't really see the rest of the park when you're in there so that it feels like, you know, you're just in universe. Uh, and like you mentioned earlier, you don't see other company logos and you don't even see st- the Star Wars logo mm-hmm. anywhere. Yeah. Because again, why would you? You're in the Star Wars universe. Um, and this is the one I love, Brendan. Toys of creatures that are made by people in universe. Yep. So in other words, like when you watch Rogue One and you see Jin Erso's toys of, I think, what does she have? Like a Wampa or a Tauntaun or something. And a Stormtrooper. She's and got she, the little wooden Stormtrooper figure. Yeah, Right. Definitely has a Stormtrooper. Ray has, uh, what does Ray have? She has a Stormtrooper too? Now I'm forgetting. Or a Rebel pilot. Yeah, no, she, I think she has a, a little knit, a little like knit doll. It's made out of wood that looks like a pilot. Yeah, I think that's right. right. So the toys that you buy in Galaxy's Edge are essentially those, right? They're the toys that someone in-universe would be playing with, not toys that they sell of a movie in our actual universe. Exactly. You won't find a single Hasbro, uh, you know, maybe there are a couple of Hasbro action figures, but they're not branded as such. And the toy store that is in the marketplace is, as you said, it is in-universe. So that is all kind of a little bit more rustic feeling stuff. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't smack of being, uh, you know, things that were mass produced to be exacting replicas of things from the movies. It has it has a style all its own and a vibe all its own. Um, and, you know, the, the the toy shop in Black Spire Outpost is run by a Toydarian. Uh, and it's called Toydarian Toys. Oh, no <laughs> so way. Yeah, there's a little there's a little sign outside that has like kind of a an abstract Toydarian uh, on it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, so kids, you're not getting a discount there by using any Jedi Jedi mind tricks. <laughs> a t- Go ahead. No. Yeah, we'll leave Go that one for you. Yeah, try it. Uh, try it. It's not going to work on them. Uh, um, also, Republic Republic credits work just fine for what it's worth. Here's a question, Brendan, regarding this whole thing of Galaxy's Edge being canonical. So mm-hmm. right right now. Uh, Galaxy's Edge exists between The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. So are we to expect that after The Rise of Skywalker is released, that Galaxy's Edge will then be taking place post The Rise of Skywalker? I think that they're going to have it somewhat as a snapshot in time, but I also think that they will be adding new new materials to it, you know, ostensibly the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's run is like kind of like the next generation of Star Tours, right? And they've spent the last few years when new movies come out, updating Star Tours, putting new segments into Star Tours. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see something like that here. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, But I don't, I don't know how they're going to, how they're going to frame that. If it's going to be just new missions, like Hondo has new missions or if it will tie into the larger galactic story in any way. Right. Yeah. So, because, you know, I, I think as a fan, I would love to see them let the past die and, you know, move on to whatever happens after the rise of Skywalker so that we're all, you know, when we visit Galaxy's Edge, we're living in whatever the current continuity is uh, canonically or, or chronologically, actually, I should say. Um, but then at the same time, uh, I kind of yeah, I don't really see them moving past uh, this general 
sequel trilogy time frame. Because what that would mean is, uh, you know, let's say Kylo dies in The Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Would Kylo then disappear from the park? So, like, would you show up at the park on Friday, December 20th, and it's like waking up after the Thanos snap of the Star Wars universe where all of a sudden different characters are dead because they died in the movie that came out the night before? So I kind of don't see him doing that because, you know, a lot of kids really love Kylo Ren. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and they really want their chance to see him. So I'm so I'm sorry, little Sally. Kylo Ren died in the movies the other day, so he's <laughs> not here anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. He didn't die in the movies, Brendan. He died in real life. Oh yes, this is this is in universe. Yeah, Brendan. I think that's all of the the Galaxy's Edge questions we have for now. Okay. Is there is there anything else you want me to to, to ramble on about? Because I'm sure there are a few other things that uh, that I could that I could touch on. I thought you'd never ask. Uh, so Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, here's something I want to talk to, uh, ask you about, which is something we've been talking yes. about on the show. Um, solo Plus or Solo 2? So I'm, I'm assuming Solo 2 means straight sequel, right? Yep, in cinemas. And Solo Plus, solo plus means streaming, something, some sort of follow-up that is streaming? Correct, on Disney Plus, yep. I'm going to say Solo Plus because that means that it doesn't necessarily have to be about Han. Oh, okay. So I think you... that I, I want to see I want to see what Kira's up to. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, which leads me to my next question, Brendan, for you to uh, what did you say you wanted to ramble on about something? Yeah, um, if there's you know if there's if there's anything like I'm I'm here. I'm so on here's, the mic still. Here's what keeps me up at night, Brendan. I want to know <laughs> what is Gareth Edwards doing. I also want to know what are the Kasdans doing right now. Although I think I think that one we can figure out a little more. And and really, what I'm wondering now is now that we have coming the Disney Plus streaming service, what do you think the prospects are of all of these people who have worked on stuff that is, you know, I think almost everything that they've done in the Disney era of Lucasfilm is beloved by at least a significant portion of the fan base, mm-hmm. even if, you know, even you take something like Last Jedi, right? And let's just say that just like in the movie, everything was completely split down the middle, uh, 50% of Star Wars fans is a lot, right? That's a lot of people. You're right. <laughs> so, you know, if you have all those people who love The Last Jedi, despite the people who don't, same thing with Solo, didn't perform quite as well as they would have liked at the box office, but there's a lot of people that love that movie, and I'm one of them too. The more I watch it, the more blown away I am by Alden Ehrenreich, I think. I think that he did something that uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think most actors could have pulled off. I think mm-hmm. the, nu- the nuance in that performance is really yeah. nice. Oh, I totally agree. And I think, you know, to see that happen, to see that played out with a little more stability in the production of it Mm -hmm. um, and maybe lowered stakes of not not being, you know, not having to compete with The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi and even Rogue One that, you know, I think there are reasons that Rogue One performed, you know, so much better than Solo did at the box office. But yeah, yeah, I just really like to see them take another shot at that. And I think so some of these people that have contributed already, um, man, they've just made such great contributions that I can't help but wonder, you know, if they're all in the fold, you know, are they having meetings with Lucasfilm right now with different pitches, different things that they're thinking about or developing uh, for that platform? In particular, those people, Gareth, Gareth Edwards, people love Rogue One so much. And he brought so much to, he, he's made such a significant contribution just in that movie to the Star Wars universe, uh, even just aesthetically, that man... Yeah, the way that movie is shot is beautiful. Yeah, so... I would like to see those people come back for sure. Uh, but I think that, you know, uh, Gareth Edwards was kind of their first 
their first experience, you know, maybe having creative differences or not being happy with the finished product. So I, you know, I wonder, I wonder what that relationship is like. It seems like Gareth Edwards was a real trooper, um, and he just kind of went along with it, which is cool. Um, and I don't think, you know, th- that he's ever said anything negative about the experience. No, no. Um, but I do wonder from, you know, from the Disney point of view, it seems like a big gamble to, you know, do another project with him because they kind of had to come in and, you know, they felt like they needed to, to, to fix what was going on a little bit. And I think that, you know, if the Kazans want to do more Star Wars, I can imagine that there will be more opportunities for them. You're right, Solo didn't do that well, but Force Awakens certainly yeah, did. So yeah. at least in Larry's favor, that's... Yeah, and a couple a couple of things about that. I mean, one is I think in my mind, I just like automatically, and, and we don't know this at all, but I automatically attribute all the good parts of The Force Awakens to him. <laughs> <laughs> and anything I didn't like, I attribute to his co-writer, Mr. J.J. Abrams, mm-hmm. um, which I'm, I'm, I'm sure isn't fair, but I think, yeah, he did such a good job. I, I don't know how you can not have that guy already working on another Star Wars. Um, I wish you weren't being so logical about Gareth Edwards, but I think, unfortunately, you're probably right. <laughs> um, but you know what? I feel like we need to mail back a compliment, complimentary copy of The Art of Rogue One to the people at Lucasfilm and have them reread the foreword by Gareth Edwards because it's so beautiful and inspiring that... Man, I just hope he gets another chance. Yeah, that'd be that, you know, that would warm my heart, certainly. And especially, you know what? It would just be a really nice olive branch for them to extend if they just let him direct a couple episodes of the Cassie Andor oh, show. Like, why not? Yeah. That would be really cool. Yeah. See, in my dream world, in my dream world, he would just be director of photography for everything they do. For everything, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Brendan, do you have any shout outs or recommendations? Because hmm. I do, if you don't. Yeah, you know what? I don't have anything that's coming to mind. Brendan, the Skywalk will probably be off for about a month or so. So my recommendation is, uh, aside from reading Brendan's article, The Art of World Building. Did I mess it up already? No, that's, that's, that's close okay. enough. That's, that's half the, the, the art so. of. I'm just turning everything yes. into an art of book. <laughs> hey, will we get an art of uh, Galaxy's Edge book? Oh, I hope I gotta so. I feel like, I yeah. Hope so. I, I asked Phil Showstack uh, on Twitter a while ago, and he was like, I can't comment on anything that uh, hasn't oh, been announced snap. yet. Oh, snap. I was like, all right. Fair oh, enough. snap. That means it's happening. Okay, Brendan, even better. So. Even better. Here's something. Uh, I know you know a couple people over there. So, uh, you know, tell them to do this. And I don't need credit and I don't need payment for this idea. Uh, just for the <laughs> love of Star Wars. You turn Doug Chang into an in-canon architect in the, in the Star mm-hmm. Wars universe. And then you basically have an art history book about him. That Ooh. is the art of Galaxy's Edge. That's sold in that. Galaxy's Edge, right? It's got to mm-hmm. be in universe like everything else. That's awesome. Um, so I recommend while the Skywalk, we're taking a little break. It's summertime. Uh, Jeff and I have a lot going on. It's going to be really tough to coordinate our schedules for the next few weeks. Uh, so we'll be off probably until mid to late July. Uh, in the meantime, I recommend hitting up Chatter Squadron. The, uh, the podcast we mentioned earlier, our pal Tyler Bucks is on there. They do a really good job. They do a much better job covering Star Wars news than Jeff and I do. Um, we tend to take a pretty atypical approach to our Star Wars discourse, um, but they, they don't miss a thing. And yet they're very positive and very fun and entertaining to listen to. So I highly recommend hitting up Chatter Squadron. And uh, that's about it. Thank you so much for coming on. I think this was really, really fun and really interesting to hear. And it's really fun to even speculate. You know, it's really cool that 
we've always speculated on what will come next in the movies and where they could go and what they could do. And to be able to do this with an actual living, breathing place now that's part of canon that we can all visit is also really exciting. And it's kind of a whole other platform of speculation that we now have to enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Then it sounds like they, you know, they they have built future possibilities into it the way that it is right now. Um, but I think that my the thing that I'm most excited to see is I'm excited to see the kids that come out of this who didn't know about Star Wars, where this is their first touch point oh, with man. it, where they, you know, it's not something that they watch in a in a in a crowded room with a bunch of people. This is this is something where they get to to explore themselves, right. uh, and so that, that's that's really exciting right. for me. What those what those what those kids, you know, what kind of fans those kids are going to grow. Oh, to be. yeah, man. It's exciting. Thank you so much for coming on. Anytime, man. Anytime. This is Brett. This is Brendan. And we're just talking about Star Wars on, on the, the Skywalk. Skywalk.